Good morning, City Light. It's good to see your faces. I was uh, telling Austin, I did the math this morning. I haven't been up here to preach in three weeks. That's a long time. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like it, but it's been three weeks. That's a long time. I'm not going to do that again. Um, just kidding. That might happen. Uh, so anyway, if you're new here, this is week six of our gathering. So this is number six. Uh, we're going through our core values, and um, what we're doing is we're, we're planning a church together. Um, we're, we're, we're set to launch in January, and so uh, what we're doing is we, we're gathering together for meals. Uh, we work through our core values to see what it is to be a City Light Church in Lincoln. Uh, we're forming servant teams, launching leadership teams, launching city groups, preparing our building. Um, as you'll see, it starts to transform itself as time goes on. Uh, and then we're also just, just praying through and inviting Jesus to, to form and shape our hearts around uh, our community and just to see what kind of church he wants us to be. Uh, I want uh, to affirm what uh, Pastor Austin said last week. Last week he said, if you're in the room, you're a church planner. Uh, you're a part of that core team. The core team is not something that's a closed-off group. It's actually something that's welcome to whomever wants to be a part of that. So congratulations, you're on our team. Uh, we're planning a church together. And, and so we are glad that we get to be a part of that. We're glad that you're here and that you're a part of uh, building what God uh, would have us build here. And, and so um, I'm excited for our launch in January. It's going to be a good time. Amen? So... I'd like to invite you, though, for this morning to open your Bibles. If you have a digital copy, a physical copy, or whatever you think is most spiritual is fine. Uh, to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 16 when we get there. And so as you open that up, though, I want to give you a quick review of what those core values are. So I, I can talk a lot about core values, but I have to ex- ex- explain what those are for us. Uh, and we have a, kind of a shorthand. It's down up, in, and out. Um, those are basically directional arrows, but what the down is is the gospel up is our, our hearts being formed to be more like Jesus. Uh, the in is us, the community of God or, or the family of God. And then the out is the mission of God. So, so God has called us to go out. And so these are our values that inform all that we are and all that we do. And that's why we're, the last few weeks, uh, actually the last six weeks, we've gone through those. Last week, uh, Pastor Austin went through down, which is the gospel. Uh, in that, he uh, said some really great things, but, but some of the, the things that we learned was that the fact that we're justified not by our works, but by faith in Jesus, that puts us in right standing with God. And, and Austin even put it this way, he said, the gospel isn't about what we do for God, but what Jesus has done for us. Today, we get to actually continue those core values, and, and we're not doing down anymore, we're going to do up. We're going to do formation. Uh, this is the response to the wonderful news that we're justified by faith alone. But before I go, before I I get to the text, I want to share a little bit of my heart. I want to share a little bit of my story with you. So I moved back to Lincoln about eight years ago from Wayne, Nebraska. Uh, While I was in Wayne, I worked a full-time job. And in that full-time job, I would eat probably, I eat out probably two times a day. So you're talking lunch and dinner or breakfast and lunch. I would eat out fast food, Mexican food, Arby's, McDonald's, whatever, every single day. And then... I had one guilty pleasure at the end of every day. So it was about a 30-minute commute home. And so what I would do is I'd get in my car, and I'd stop at the nearest gas station or convenience store and pick up a Little Debbie snack. You know what a Little Debbie snack is, right? Like, they're the 50-cent the goodness that you can buy in a heartbeat. And when you enjoy that thing, it's like, mmm, good, right? Don't turn your nose up at Little Debbie snacks. You know better. You know that it's good. 
And so I would do that day in and day out, five days a week, eating out twice a day and taking my little Debbie snacks home with me. And so to give you some perspective, that was eight years ago I moved back to Lincoln. When I moved back to Lincoln, I was 235 pounds. So to give you perspective, so I got a little bit of daddy body right now, but, but I'm not where I was. Like, I'm 40 pounds lighter than that right now. So that dad bod, that's better than I was, okay? So, but what happened is, so I moved back to Lincoln. I moved in with some buddies of mine, and they were like, hey, dude, let's go hoop at the rec center down the street. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's go down to the UNL rec center. I'm a former college basketball player. I'm 22 years old. Should be in the best shape of my life. So I'm like, I'm going to go school these dudes. Like, they're, they're not going to know what's going to happen. So I go in, and I lace up my Nikes, and they're brand new, so I'm really excited about them. And so I tie them up. I jump on the court, and I start shooting around. And I'm like, oh, just a little bit rusty. I haven't played in a while. That'd be all right. And so I, I was like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm thinking in my head, I'm just going to ease my way into it. I'm going to shake some of that rust off. And so we get in the game. We're playing. I'm just passing the ball, passing the ball just playing or whatever. And I was like, all right, now it's time to kick it up a notch. I'm going to take this dude. So I, I get by my defender, just blow past him. I'm like, yep, this is it. I get all the way to the hole, about to shoot a layup. I go up for that layup. I release that layup, and that ball drops to the ground. Now, just to let you know, what that means is I airballed the highest percentage shot in the entire game, literally. Like, it just dropped to the floor. At that point, I said, oh, I got an issue. That issue is Little Debbie Snacks and McDonald's. And so what I started to do, I started to work really hard. I started to work out, started to make sure I ate better. And so what happened was my body um, started to get in a lot better shape. I started to feel good about myself. I started actually being able to play basketball better. I had the energy uh, that I needed to get throughout the day. And then I also attracted my beautiful wife, which was good. Like, that's winning. I was winning the game. But then there's something that happens, though. I have this problem. I still desire little Debbie snacks. I still want them. If you were to offer me a double cheeseburger, not a McDouble, that's not the same thing. A double cheeseburger, two pieces of cheese. Um, double cheeseburger, I could probably eat four of them because of my cravings that I have for them. I, I still desire some of that stuff. So it's a, it's a real struggle for me. I go from being in decent fitness shape to not so much and, and wrestling back and forth. So it's a real struggle. In fact, the struggle's so real. Let me make a confession. This week when I was doing sermon prep, Tuesday night, I went to City Light U on Tuesday and enjoyed the sermon. Mike did a great job, and then I went back to my office, and I'm like, man, I'm kind of hungry. So I'm like, oh, there's a gas station right across the street. I'm going to go in there. So I, I walk across the street, look up at the counter. There's banana sitting on the counter. I was like, nope, not doing it. Walk over. I was like, yep, there's my oatmeal cream pies. So I grabbed an oatmeal cream pie. I was like, wait a minute, that's not healthy. Let me grab a granola bar to go with it. And then I left and came back, consumed that stuff in that moment. So, so good. But then afterwards, I was like, why did I do that? Dang it. I messed up again. And in my mind, I knew it wasn't worth it. Isn't that your story? Isn't that our story? See, like, we heard some awesome news last week. We heard that the the. Actually, it wasn't just awesome. It's the best news ever. The fact that the God of the universe would send his son to take our place, to substitute himself for us, take our punishment, and give us his righteousness. And, and we hear that, and we, we might even respond positively, but we know, we know that at some point in the week, life came in the way, right? Life started to happen, and 
things started to look different all over, right back to the way it was, right? We have that tension. Does that sound familiar? If you're a Christian, you know that there's this struggle between the old life and the new life that's been given. We know what is good and God-honoring, yet still at the same time, we choose the little Debbie snack. We choose the McDonald's, the things that are not so God-honoring. Amen? And so with that, I got some good news for you, though. With that, there is good news for us that God knows that struggle for us. He knows that we struggle in that tension, and he knows it, so therefore he responds to that by giving us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, if you receive Christ as your Savior, comes to dwell in you. So so in effect, not only do you receive salvation, but you receive the very Spirit of God if you turn to Jesus in faith. So Paul understands that struggle as well. He went through some similar struggles, and he knows that the power of the gospel is the only thing that saves your life, but also changes your life. And so when we look at our text, let's look at the struggle and how it plays out. Verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So my first point that I want to get out is there's a real struggle, and you're not alone in it. Us. When you become a follower of Jesus, you are given a new life, has a natural posture to it. Now, I use that word posture on purpose because I want to define it for you. Posture is essentially your, the way your life is lived, your desires, your focus, the trajectory of where it's going. And so when you come to know Jesus, when you come to be known by Jesus, you have a new life which gives you new desires and a new focus, a new trajectory. However, like I said before, there's a real human struggle, right? We have desires to follow Jesus, but our old nature is still at work in us. It's still doing some things and making us desire things that we don't really want. Paul puts it this way in Romans 7. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. City Light, this is why living by the Spirit matters. Deep down, we know exactly what God has called us to be, but we do And we do it well for a bit. We understand that we're justified by faith alone, but then we start to live as though we're justified by ourselves. We start to live like God is real, but has no impact on our daily life. We live as though Christ didn't really sacrifice himself for our sins. Now let's be honest. How many of us have gone a day without thinking about God? How about a week? How about a month without thinking about the presence of God, without acknowledging the presence of God in our life? We know the gospel is true and transformative, but we start to do it ourselves, right? Many of us in the room today are in this place, am I right? Like, we are in the place of, I trust God, I know Jesus, but at the same time, I'm just in a place where I'm just going to do it on my own. 
And then God offers us a spirit-led life that's not in the bondage of our sin, but it gives us freedom, as Austin talked about last week. The way that's done, to walk the life that God has called us into, is not a a position of pulling up your bootstraps and making it happen, saying, hey, I'm going to be a better person now. Like, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. God has called us to be led by his spirit. Our pursuit of Jesus doesn't come from our performance for God, but from his performance through us. Now, let me say that again. It doesn't come from our performance for God. It comes from his performance through us. So your struggles are real. My struggles are real. But God cares so much about them that he's sent his spirit. And so point one, again, is there's a real struggle, but you're not alone in it. As we go on to our text, though, Paul does point some stuff out. He he makes a, a strange transition. He says, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do, not do, such, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul basically says, Life apart from God, life apart from the Spirit, is broken sexuality, broken relationships, and broken addictions. And in verse 19 through 21, what he's saying is that if your posture of life is marked by the flesh and its desires, which is basically sin, this is what it looks like. And, and, and the, the funny thing about it is he doesn't give you a scale, right? Like he doesn't say, these are minor sins and these are the real ones. In fact, the funny thing is when you look at the text, Paul says something really interesting. He says at the end of that verse 21 there, he says, and things like these. So just in case I didn't mention them, they're there. And so let me show you something. What he's saying is that if your life is marked by sexual immorality, it's not just one thing. It's not just adultery in marriage. He says in things like this. This is not an exhaustive list. And so he's saying things like that, like adultery or having a sexual relationship with someone who's not your spouse. This also means looking at pictures or videos of someone that's not your spouse or someone that's it's an inappropriate image. It also means looking at another human being and objectifying them in your mind. That includes you in this list. Or if your life is marked by one broken relationship after another, this matters. If you're a guy in the room and you just go from one girl to the next, discounting them as if they don't matter, you're in this list. If you're a woman who continues to try to form relationships with men just so that you might feel satisfied or complete, you're missing the point. This matters because you're included in this list. It matters if your life is, if you frequently say to yourself, it's me against the world. It's, I don't need anyone else. We know that's a lie, right? We know that's not true. And then he he goes on to even include substance abuse. And that's not just alcohol, but it's other types of drugs. God cares so much about what owns us, what controls us. If your life, your day-to-day posture in life is marked by these things, 
Paul says that you may not have a true relationship with Jesus. Meaning, if what Austin said last week, that you believe that you are justified by God through faith and not your works, there should be something different about you. Your life's posture cannot be led by fleshly things. Let me share a little bit about my life here. So, growing up, I told you the home life was shaky at times. Um, it, was, it was a little rough sometimes. And so, what I would do is, is people on the outside would think that I had my stuff together. Like, I always tried to put on a good face and say, you know what, I got it together, I'm good. And deep down inside, I was angry, I was sad, I was disappointed. And so, what I would do is I'd go to church on Sundays, my junior and senior year in high school, like I said a few weeks ago, and I'd put on a good face, and I'm, I'm the good church boy, I go to school, I get decent grades, I play sports. But then on the weekends, I would try to find my quickest and easiest sexual prowess. Whatever drug or option thereof at the party was there, I would try it. All in a ploy to medicate my anger and my selfishness and my desires. And then I'd wake up the next week and do it all over again. And put that mask back on like everything's okay. Nothing else matters. Not the girls or my mom who works her tail off to make sure that I have a decent life. If you're a person who, like I was, continually indulges in what is sinful without actually battling against it, this shows that you might not be justified by faith, but be still under the law. And I'm telling you this not necessarily to condemn you, but to let you know where you might be. Paul states that if this is your normal practice, if this is the posture of your life without struggle... He gives a very grace-filled warning. He says, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God if you don't turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus and his saving work on the cross. All right, now everybody in the room, look up here real quick. Take in a deep breath. Breathe it out. Now, if you, like me, have failed and fallen into sin... In fact, you might be sitting in the room and you might have fallen into your sin last night. Or maybe you've been in it on a cycle for the last week or the last months. This doesn't actually discontinue you from God's grace. He's actually given it to you freely. He loves you and doesn't, he doesn't change that love based on your actions. What verses 19 through 21 is saying is if there isn't a battle... Maybe your faith isn't true in Jesus. But if it is, if there is a battle, he'll meet you right where you are. He's not afraid of your sin. Like he will, he will find you where you are and start to form you and shape you. He sees all of your sin and your rebellion, and he doesn't shrink back from it. He doesn't run from your sin. He doesn't give up on you. He gives you the gift of his spirit, and he promises you that this battle is worth it, and he's with you in it. The battle between your old posture and your new posture is real. That's my second point. But here's what your new posture looks like. Verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And the one who belongs 
to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The thing that Paul wants to say, which is my third point here, it's not what you do, but who you belong to. It's not what you do, but who you belong to. So Paul is calling us to choose a different leader. We were once led by our old posture, our old self, which is the flesh. But for us to live a life that is good and God-honoring, we must be led by the Spirit of God instead. So listen, listen to this. This isn't a list of things that you need to work on. The fruit that are listed here, not something that you need to work on, which is our tendency, right? Our tendency is to look at the list and say, all right, I need to work on patience, or all right, I need to work on love, or I need to work on joy. No, 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 no. What we end up doing, though, when we, when we do that is we function under the law and, and end up basically doing counterfeit versions of what God loves and what God is about. We have counterfeit love, counterfeit patience, and it's weak. It's, it's not grace-filled, grace-lived-out patience and love. So now you have to be sitting here. I know I was when I was reading this. City Light, do you see the weird tension here? The weird tension of, of on one hand... You're given grace through faith, and it's not about your works. However, your works matter. Like, our past posture as Christians should be love, joy, peace, and etc. But our life has to be, and our life has to be marked by this, right? It has to be different than the old life because we've been given a new life, but it's not by us doing it. So I think, let me explain how this works. Look at verse 24. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion. So because now that you are, you belong to Jesus, the old life has been killed, like those desires for the, the, the not good for you, like the little Debbies, they have been killed by the cross. He has removed the slavery of our sin. We no longer have to obey those fleshly desires. We're no longer slaves to it. Listen to me. God is so good that he frees us from our worship of self. He frees us of our slavery to our sin. He frees us of those inner anxieties of not being welcome or not being loved because he's loved us. He's given us a freedom to say, no more, I need to change my life right now. No more self-help books that don't really help anyway. He's given us freedom to say, no longer do I need to pay a life coach to help me out. We all want to be better, right? Like, we all want to be better. That's, that's in, our, in our innate desire. We want to be better. But Jesus doesn't make you better. He makes you new. He doesn't make you better. He makes you new. The gospel frees us from the bondage of our sin and carries us, it, that carries over us. And then we are giving God's spirit to lead us to be more like Jesus. The spirit of God wants to do that for you. This matters. I love the example that Paul gives us in the text because he says fruit. So think about this. An apple tree. What kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples. Yes, you passed first grade. Good job. Apples. Like, they produce apples. Does it produce oranges? No, no, it won't produce oranges. There's nothing you can do. You can fuse two trees together. It still will not produce oranges. Will it produce grapes? 
Nope, the fruit is the fruit. Like, right, if, if, if an apple produces fruit, that's the way it is. The same thing is with God. When, when Christ comes into your life, you produce the fruit of Christ. Singular, one fruit. This is a description of that one fruit. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness. It's produced by a person that is justified in Jesus. A person who has been made new in Christ produces this fruit. So, so what I'm saying to you is that the fruit is not manufactured, but it's produced. It's not manufactured, but produced. God wants fruit in you. He wants to produce that fruit in me. And so my point three is, it's not what you do, but who you belong to. See, like, God's desire is to give us some unforced rhythms of grace, in our life, we need unforced rhythms, not pull up your bootstraps, not take all the effort and energy, but, but grace-based effort. And the way we are led by the Spirit is really dependent on how well we take care of our souls. So look at verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The language here is an imagery of following. So, so what I'm saying is, is it says, look at Jesus. He's done it. He, he's completed it before us. God in flesh completed all of the righteous work that could be done. If you feel intimidated, beaten down, like you lost the battle, or that your old self and your new self, that struggle, you lose more often than not, what he's saying is look to Jesus. Look at what he's done. Look at his perfect, spotless, blameless life and know that he is your substitute. Verse 25, he says, walk in step with. And so he's saying, hey, let Jesus be the leader. Let Jesus run your life. Fix your eyes on him. His burden is light. Yours is heavy. Let him take it. That's what it's saying here. That's the good news. There's, there's freedom when we are guided by the Spirit, not bondage. Now, family, I want to confess something. I've done this poorly this week. Yep. This week, I was not led by the Spirit. And here's how it played out. I had a short temper with my kids. I was yelling at them in .5 seconds the minute they did something that I didn't appreciate. My wife, I was short with her. So the one person who's like in my life who loves me no matter what, I was very just abrupt with her and just not kind, not gentle. And the, the sad thing about it is I'm preparing a sermon on this, right? And I still don't see it until she points it out to me and says, honey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And so what I realize is that I have been carrying my own weight, my own burdens on my own shoulders, and not letting God lead me or guide me. And so when she tells me that, I'm like, that's why you're having me preach this, aren't you? Thanks, Jesus. Like, super helpful, right? Like, that's what he's doing. He loves me so much that he would put me through this hard week and say, hey, I got your back. I'm with you. I didn't leave you behind to go do it on your own, but my spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is helping you with this struggle. And so we got to ask the question, where do we go from here? Where do you and I go from here? How does this impact 
the way we do church, the way we are a church family. And I have a few. Here we are. First one, we become a people devoted to the Bible. We preach the Bible. We study the Bible in our city groups. And I want to invite you. We need to personally, individually read our Bibles. It is the most spirit-led thing you can do any time of the week. If you want to be led by Jesus, read his book, right? It's a, it's a correlation. That's one. Two, we will worship King Jesus in song and in spirit. So we will, every single week, we will corporately sing to Jesus, not just about him, but to him, because what you worship, who you worship, is who you become more like. Worship is more than just singing. It's actually formative for our hearts. As we slow down, as Austin called us to earlier, and remember God's work, we, we corporately proclaim what is true over everyone. Number three, we have to be a church who is in community. So you don't need much of the Spirit to lead you when you're by yourself, when you're in isolation but you get around some needy people, and they get to be a little annoying, all of a sudden community realizes that you need to be filled by the Spirit, right? Like in order to get in the room with other misfits like yourself, we need God's Spirit to be able to play out the love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness when someone eats all your food and you didn't get a plate, right? Like we need that. And then number four, we will be a holy people. We're not a hip church, okay? We're not trying to be cool or trying to be trendy or anything like that. We are a striving church for holiness. We will be that kind of church. This is our response to the gospel, church. We fight sin. We strive to obey. We look more and more like Jesus every day because we cling to the cross of Jesus, because we fix our eyes on Jesus. An unholy church does not shine as a light in the dark culture. God's people should look differently in the world. Jesus even says it very clearly. He says, be holy as I am holy. So let me, let me finish it up with this. Although our struggles are real, the good news that saves us also sustains us. The good news that saves us also sustains us. Let's pray.